So to uh, continue the Reformation theme, uh, every year on Reformation Sunday we hold the Selling of Indulgences Bake Sale, and it's always a, a benefit for Rainbow Alley, which is a drop-in center for GLBTQ youth that we um, support and have for years. So uh, during open space, as a devotional practice, if you would like to buy some brownies for support, <laughs> supporting Rainbow Alley, you're invited to do that as well. Grace. Peace and mercy is yours from the triune God. Amen. Happy Reformation Sunday, or as I like to call it, Lutheran Pridefulness Sunday. <laughs> A day in the liturgical year when we celebrate the Protestant Reformation, and there is indeed a lot to celebrate. We've come a long way, baby. <laughs> we Protestants are no longer under the Pope. Our clergy can marry. We let people read the Bible for <laughs> Thanks, honey. <laughs> we let people read the Bible for themselves. Not only that, but many denominations now ordain the ladies and the gays. <laughs> that is to say, we are not nearly as ignorant as our forebears, and so today we celebrate us. <laughs> yet, yet. What do the texts assigned for today talk about? Sin. What? <laughs> what we get on Reformation Day is not a victory parade for the Protestant Reformation, but a lot of talk about sin and law. All sin and fall short of the glory of God, and all who sin are slaves to sin, and that through the law comes knowledge of sin. Sin, sin, sin. Obviously, the people who decide what the readings are for things like Reformation Sunday didn't get the memo that what we are really celebrating is our own awesomeness and how much more clever we modern Christians are than those who came before us who naively believed in things like sin and law. <laughs> Plus, in an age of self-care and therapy and high self-esteem and especially, especially in so-called progressive Christianity, sin... Not such a popular topic. As a matter of fact, yeah, exactly. As a matter of fact, in the Lutheran church planting business these days, there's this trend toward eliminating the confession and absolution at the beginning of our liturgies. And the reason is because it's a downer, and people don't want to hear their sinners. <laughs> I personally think that's a shame, but I feel like I should confess that at the age of 26, a decade after leaving my conservative Christian upbringing, when I first experienced the confession and absolution in Lutheran liturgy, I thought it was hogwash. I hated the part where everyone in church stood up and said what bad people they were, and the pastor from the distance of the chancel and the purity of their white robes said, God forgives you. Why at that point should I care if someone says to me that some God I may or may not even believe in has erased the check marks against me for things that I may or may not even think are so-called sins? My suspicion is that I felt this way because when I heard, you are a sinner, what I really heard is, you are a bad, immoral person. And hey, if I am someone who doesn't cheat on their taxes or their spouse and doesn't murder or steal, then I don't really want to spend my Sunday mornings having someone imply that I do from the purity of their white robe. 
But Martin Luther had a way of talking about sin that just makes a lot more sense to me now. He reminds us that sin is bigger than simple immorality. Sin, according to Luther, is the self being curved in on the self without a thought for God or neighbor. In that case, sin is missing the mark, and it's all the ways we put ourselves in the place of God. It could be alcoholism or passive aggression. It can be the hateful things we think but never say, or it can be adultery, or it can be that feeling of superiority when I'm helping someone. Sin is the fact that my ideals and values are never enough to make me always do what I should, feel what I should, and think what I should. And anything that reveals those shoulds to me is what we call the law. The law is what Paul, in his letter to the Romans, said reveals our sin. The shoulds in our lives are the things that make us see how far off the mark we always are. No matter what we think the shoulds are, personal morality and family values and niceness and conservative political convictions, or inclusivity and recycling and eating local and progressive political convictions, there is always, always, no matter how hard we try, a gap between our ideal self and our actual self. And usually, no one but us knows just how short we fall from the glory of God. But we know, and in those moments alone when, again, we're beating ourselves up or trying to deny it or, again, making promises of self-improvement, in those solitary moments, we know it looks like every feminist who in secret really hates her body, and every televangelist who's really addicted to porn, and every social worker who doesn't actually look into the eyes of the homeless man they pass every day on the corner. They all know what the law can do to us, how cruel the distance between our ideal self and our actual self can feel, how, how um, that feeling of not ever really hitting the mark, whatever mark that is, is the feeling of the law convicting me again. Martin Luther knew what it felt like for the law to convict him, accuse him, leave him with nowhere to rest. And if you want to know what really sparked the Protestant Reformation, it's the fact that when Luther was feeling that way, he sat down and read that passage from Romans that we just heard. Since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, they are now justified by his grace as a gift. And he believed it to be true, and because he believed that God's grace is a gift, he no longer accepted what the church had for so long taught, that we are really saved by works of the law. The medieval church had pawned off law as gospel, and Luther dared to know the difference, and then he became a preacher of grace, and that changed everything. But here's the thing, pawning off law as gospel isn't a medieval thing. And it's not a Catholic thing, it's a human thing, and we do it all the time. The church does it, we do it, society does it, it's like a disease. So in celebration of Reformation Sunday, I offer you a way to spot the difference between law and gospel. You can tell it's the law because it is always an if-then proposition. 
If you follow all the rules in the Bible, then God will love you and you will be happy. If you lose 20 pounds, then you will be worthy of being loved by someone else. If you live a perfectly righteous, green, eco lifestyle, then you will be worthy of taking up space on this planet. If you never have a racist or sexist or homophobic thought, then you will be worthy of calling out other people on their racism and sexism and homophobia. <laughs> The law is always conditional, and it is never anything anyone can do perfectly. And when we treat law as gospel, there can never be life and happiness and worthiness, because under the law, there are only two choices, pride or despair. When fulfilling the shoulds, the if-thens, is the only thing that determines our worthiness, we are either prideful about our ability to follow the rules compared to others, or ultimately, we despair at our inability to perfectly do anything. And either way, that's still bondage. And that's why the gospel is different. The gospel is never an if-then proposition. It's just a little more Wizard of Oz than that. You know why? The gospel is a because, 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 because. <laughs> Here's what it sounds like. Because God is our creator, and because we rebel against the idea of being created beings and insist on trying to be God for ourselves, and because God will not play by our rules, and because in the fullness of time when God had had quite enough of all that, God became human in Jesus Christ to show us who God really is, and because when God came to God's own and we received him not, and because God would not be deterred, God went so far as to hang from the cross we built and did not even lift a finger to condemn and said, forgive them, they know not what they are doing, and because Jesus Christ defeated even death and the grave and rose on the third day, and because we all sin and fall short and are forever turned in on ourselves and forget that we belong to God and that none of our successes guarantee this and none of our failures exclude this and because God loves God's creation God refuses for our sin and brokenness and inability to always do the right things to be the last word because God came to save and not to judge and therefore therefore you are saved by grace as a gift and not by the works of the law and this truth will set you free like none of those self-help plans or healthy living or social justice work shoulds ever can do. This is why here we will never get rid of the confession and absolution in the liturgy. It's law that puts us in the position of hearing gospel. It is a moment when truth is spoken without apology and without hesitation, and perhaps for the only time that week, and it will crush you, and then it will put you back together. It reforms you. That's reformation. And that's why reformation is never done. And this is most certainly true. Amen. <laughs>